You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. And uh, we're here. We're with week 14. Looking forward to the fantasy playoffs for many of us. Uh, some of us still have some unfinished business in the regular season and smaller leagues still plenty of dfs to talk about as well so we're in the home stretch here four weeks left uh we've got one more game here in week 13 so before we can get into the good stuff it was a weird week 13 and it is not a surprise given it's week 13 and what that number means and a lot of things uh happened unexpectedly and frustratingly so and so we got to look back on that. A lot of surprises, uh, twists and turns in the most critical time of our fantasy football season. So, so that's what we'll do today. It's our Roundup Monday. We'll have the takeaways from uh, the week 13 Thursday and Sunday games. We'll come back tomorrow with the weekly waiver wire look as well as the analysis of what we saw with the Redskins and Eagles on Monday Night Football. Today my guest will be, as usual, Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy to help us with those high stakes takeaways and what you need to know for four of the more intriguing results here of week 13. And tomorrow, Eric Edholm will join the show to talk about the waiver wire, some guys we like, and uh, getting some inside scouting reports on those players. Then we'll close with our double dip there, pro football focus, uh, matchup focus, Jeff Ratcliffe as we look at all the games on Wednesday, and then uh, DFS lineup focus there with uh, Tyler Lochner as we look at the values and pricings across FanDuel DraftKings. That's how we do it. If you're new, uh, we're always welcome, even though it's late in the season. If you're old, uh, it's time to get right back into uh, what we do here to start off a new week of uh, podcasts on Lockdown Fantasy Football. So let's start with the Saints-Cowboys, go back to that game. And we know how disappointing that one was. Speaking of disappointment, it started with a bang there. Drew Brees, I uh, can't explain it. Well, we can explain the Cowboys' defense. Pretty darn good. They wanted to prove something in this one. The Saints' defense never got going, or offense really never got going. Their defense actually played well. 127 yards, a TD interception, not Brees-like numbers. 18 for 28, took two sacks. They also couldn't get the running game going. 11 for 36 for Kamara. salvaged his day with eight catches for 36 yards in PPR formats, but... Mark Ingram, we didn't like in this game. It came true. Michael Thomas, yet one of those disappearing games. It seems like he has a boomer bust type game. And this was a, definitely a bust with 5 for 40. The touchdown, we thought it could go to Traquan Smith. But really, it went to Keith Kirkwood on the two guys running the same route in the end zone. That was the only thing you got was Keith Kirkwood. So no one that really legitimately you would start in this game it's just a messy game all around for the saints they didn't seem prepared at all the cowboys seemed to know exactly what they were doing and were in control it wasn't great for the cowboys either being a 13 10 game Dak prescott was a little meh he did get a touchdown there connected with ezekiel elliott came through like you expect 29 touches for 136 yards and a score 
Amari Cooper was decent, but he did have that lost fumble, 8 for 75. Michael Gallup looked pretty good here, 5 for 76. So that's pretty much the simplicity of the Cowboys offense. You don't expect too much there. Saints defense played better, but still gave up a lot on the ground and uh, some decent moves from Prescott there. So tough game. I don't read too much into it except the Cowboys pretty good with Byron Jones back there, their linebackers. Pass rush really had their way here. Two sacks of Breeze, which is a massive amount. Actually, Prescott was sacked seven times on the other side, but he was able to fight through it there and uh, had the running game on his side. So not bad for Prescott. And this tough matchup for him, he came through. So that bodes well here for the Eagles rematch coming up. You got uh, the Saints. They'll rebound nicely against the Buccaneers, who they're going to have revenge on their minds. Uh, they lost week one to that team. They just lost to the Cowboys. So they'll be fine moving forward playing uh, the Buccaneers. So I would kind of flush a lot of this game because the Bucks' defense not nearly the same as what the Saints faced on the Cowboys. And I think Cowboys can build on this Ezekiel Elliott setup for monster finish. He's in the midst of a monster stretch here, and I think that will only continue given that he came through in this very tough matchup. As we flip to our uh, games on Sunday, another big upset here for an NFC power. The Bears, Chase Daniel, they had to start him again, being careful with the shoulder injury to Mitchell Trubisky. But uh, if Chase Daniel struggled here, it was bad from the start when he threw the short pass. It was intercepted by Alec Ogletree. Ogletree took it to the house. He intercepted him again. So the dinking and dunking kind of hurt here. That didn't catch up to them in Detroit. That did help Terry Cohen. If you had him for the second straight game, he went off here 12 for 156 in terms of receptions. A lot of dink and dunk stuff. So went off there. He threw a TD pass that tied the game late. He also had 30 yards rushing. Jordan Howard actually looked pretty good in this game. The Giants' run defense is pretty bad and still was an explosive game. 76 yards rushing, four from scrimmage here. So Cohen is still the man. He's the every week play in this Bears offense. Everything else is kind of hit or miss when you look across the board. Allen Robinson was decent here with five for 79, but Trey Burton has kind of just disappeared. He was targeted, didn't catch anything. Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, just not looking good beyond. And Adam Shaheen scored, so that was also not good for Burton either. So to me, Cohen is the only really guy I really trust here until – Trubisky gets back we think Trubisky will be back from the Rams game but I really love Cohen going next week and he is really the man that I trust I think it opens things up for a lot of other Bears but keep in mind to keep Tlaib came back it's going to be hard for Robinson as well so uh, it's just hard now the Bears have all this offensive potential but it really comes out of the distributor Trubisky kind of stabilizing things and the Rams defense is playing well so Cohen just locked in here as an RB1 to me that's how much he's produced all around. And uh, that's the way the Bears treat him because they really can't traditionally run the ball as well as they'd like at this time of year with Jordan Howard. On the other side of things, Giants, Eli Manning had an awful game. They still were able to overcome that win because Saquon Barkley ran well here for 125 yards. He had 21 receiving yards, so a solid game for him. He didn't score, but Odell Beckham Jr. was the best quarterback for the Giants. A trick play there, 49-yard TD through Russell Shepard. A Sterling Shepard just missed. Touchdown got his uh, ribs battered. Just the targets are not there. Only at six, caught four for 28. Russell Shepard with the long TD. Odell Beckham also a receiving TD where he was wide open. So solid game for him by Beckham, a lot like that Panthers game where he uh, got the end zone 
job done in different ways here. That's Beckham. He's played a lot more inspired. He'll been a lot more involved in this offense. And it doesn't matter if Eli struggles. Eli is still going to basically put the offense through Barkley and Beckham. And that's good for fantasy when you own both those guys. Not so good if you're stretching to Shepard. Especially with uh, now Evan Ingram hamstrung and out there. You're reaching there if you go behind Bark- Barkley and Beckham. But the Giants defense performance, merely a fluke in this one. I'm not uh, investing in them here unless they're playing Chase Daniel a game again at home in this particular situation. Now we go to our next game here. It's the Bills and the Dolphins. And uh, this was a sneaky little uh, scoring extravaganza for the bills of all teams trying to find some kind of a juice here and it's amazing what josh allen can do in terms of running around i mean he had 231 yards passing two picks two interceptions or or two sacks two tds but he had 135 rushing yards on nine rushes so this guy's a dynamic player takes off and runs a lot and he wants to throw the ball downfield so Lashawn mccoy Josh Allen vultured LaShawn McCoy's rushing production in this game that we expected. 15 for 52 only for McCoy. It only had 4 for 12. So what you're seeing is Allen. He's saying, I'm not going to hand the ball off to other people and get effectiveness there. I'm not going to dump the ball off. I'm going to take my shots and run around and buy the shots. So big arm guy, big athletic guy. There's not much in between. He likes to go deep. Very similar to Baker Mayfield. These guys don't like checking down as much. They're athletic. They can keep plays alive. But Allen, just, you can't ignore a quarterback that rushes for 135. And we've been all over what Cam Newton and Russell Wilson have not necessarily done rushing as well as Deshaun Watson. You see what Trubisky's done. And then you see Lamar Jackson. But Allen is probably the best runner of all these guys at this point. The way he does it, dynamic, just takes off like a madman. And when you have 135 rushing yards and can still put up some numbers to the air, it's good. So we have to pay attention to Allen here, especially down the stretch with some good matchups against the Jets. So definitely a DFS option on the cheap side. Now, it's really hard to touch the touch the receivers because you had Robert Foster go off there last week. And now it was Zay Jones's turn, four for 67 on two TDs. There, Foster nearly missed a touchdown, a long one that would have really made his day look good. He ends up with one catch for 27. But Foster and Jones are the main guys. Kelvin Benjamin is just a guy now in this offense. Everyone else is. So they're... Pivoting to Foster and Jones, they should be the guys anyway, and uh, you've seen the production in that, but it's just hard to trust Jones or Foster week to week because you can't trust the Bills passing game week to week. Now, look at the Dolphins side of things here. Devontae Parker resurfaced, of course. He scored on a touch, short touchdown here, 4 for 43 for him and the score, 4 for 37 and the score for Kenny Stills. Kenyon Drake, not great volume, not surprising with uh, Adam Gaze, but... 9 for 34 for 44, and he got, did get in the end zone. So that's what you're hoping for mostly with Drake. We kind of like Frank Gore in this game. Of course, they fade him 9 for 31, even with the lead here. So really hard to trust this team. They're, it's kind of a slow build, pass-happy, run-forgetting offense. So it's extremely hard to like in fantasy. And uh, Drake, at least, if you get the score, salvage that. That's what you're hoping for, that he gets enough touches to do something to put together Decent points for you as an RB2 or flex. But everything on the offense is, offense is random. You had three TDs, but only 37 yards passing from Tannehill with, with the pick. So you're trusting Miami at this stage in the season with the bye weeks done, the critical times. Uh, you're rolling the dice 
especially if it's anywhere away from Drake. Our next game that we'll talk about here, and uh, we'll, after this, bring on uh, Tom Kesnick of uh, High Stakes Fantasy here to break down uh, four of the marquee games here to help us with that. We'll, we'll stop at our fourth one before the break here. And we'll look at the Broncos and Bengals, 24 to 10, another 1 p.m. window game here. Now, I, I like Cortland Sutton. He came through 4 for 85 in a TD. The matchup was just too good. Philip Lindsay's matchup was fantastic, off the charts good. He dominated. They really didn't need much else with Lindsay running for 157 yards on 19 carries and two TDs. Royce Freeman looked good behind him. They were just in control in this game. They could run with whoever. So Freeman got some trickle-down yardage, but this backfield still clearly Lindsay from wire to wire all the way since week one and that Freeman ankle injury in between. So Lindsay is just killing it now and a good matchup here ahead for the Broncos as well. So good things all around with the 49ers next. Lindsay could just be a guy that wins a lot of leagues from that week one, post-week one weaver, waiver pickup. Now, Manuel Sanders are disappointed, but when a team runs like that, they're going to run, 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 take a deep shot to Sutton, not going to need all the underneath throws, and that's exactly what happened with Keenum in, in this particular game. Now, you look at the other side of things with the Bengals, and uh, they uh, really disappointing. A.J. Green got hurt again with the toe. He disappeared. Tyler Boyd still came through 6 for 97 on 8 targets. 5 for 33 for C.J. Uzuma. Cody Core the long touchdown there randomly from Jeff Driscoll with the green down. Joe Mixon, pretty good game from scrimmage. Could have been better, but the game flow was off here. 14 touches only for 95 yards. They included Gio Bernard more in the mix here with 12 touches for 50 for 46 yards, so not too much there for Geo, but this is just a mess of an ox offense. I think it's going to lean more and more in Mixon, more and more in Boyd here. No green. John Ross is hardly a blip on the radar. So it's basically a Mixon-Boyd-Uzuma combo and not much else, and it's not pretty with no AJ Green or Andy Dalton in this team. So use them at your own risk. I think Mixon has still got a good high floor here for you to trust uh, Boyd is still going to be involved. He hasn't dropped off one bit with Driscoll in there versus uh, Dalton. In a way, he's been better because Dalton didn't uh, necessarily force the checkdowns and there was still a lot of green. But here with no green, it's a lot of Boyd and safer throws. Boyd is clearly their most talented remaining receiver. Now, before we bring on uh, Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy here, I got to tell you, uh, ever since I started doing this podcast, people ask me, what team do I like to win this week? Uh, what do I like, think about the point spreads and the over-unders? Well, I got to tell you, where you're betting is just as important as what team you're betting on. That's why I, I tell people to go to my bookie. My bookie is going to treat you well. They're, they've been in this business for years. They're one of the best to uh, online wagering uh, sites out there and uh, they're going to make it easy for you as well with live in-game betting uh, wagering on the go is a breeze there and they've got the most rewarding player perks in the business and uh, they have an all-new mobile site you can also check out at my bookie and uh, for fantasy football players like you you can also use and get involved in their prop bet games their fantasy points scored the over under there on a particular player in a particular week so all kinds of games there to get in on the action at my bookie and right now is a great time to get in on the action because on top of the uh 
dollar for dollar match there with your initial deposit bonus at my bookie up to a thousand dollars if you can wait to deposit after 7 p.m eastern time you're going to get a nice little bonus there of 25 dollars on uh, deposits of 100 or more so you just have to use a promo code locked on 25 and go there after 7 p.m because they get slammed with a lot of uh, new betters during the day. If you go at a quieter time and deposit, it's easier. And they're going to reward you for that with 25 extra dollars. So you get that deposit for depo- dollar match. You get the $25 there to get in the game. And all you have to do is use a promo code locked on 25 And my bookie, when you play there and you win, you're going to get paid pretty quickly. And uh, the action is fun. It's uh trusted site out there and uh, you're going to get some uh, good odds on everything and uh, it's just a uh, place that you have to take your bet action to easily no-brainer choice there my bookie my bookie you play you win you get paid use that promo code lockdown 25 for that special bonus now now, when we get back here, we'll have Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy to join us to help break down four of the more intriguing results of the Week 13 Sunday games. Joining me now, as he always does on uh, Roundup Monday for some High Stakes takeaways, is Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy. How's it going, Tom? <laughs> I'm, I'm shell-shocked. I'm stunned, Vinny. Uh, week 13 was an epic fail for so many top players. We were talking about it before we went on the, on the podcast here. I sent out a tweet this morning where I listed all the top players who failed, many of whom failed spectacularly, and it was like four of the top six quarterbacks, five top 11 wide receivers, three or four running backs. That includes Kareem Hunt's situation, obviously. It doesn't include Leonard Fournette who had been a top five running back, and he, of course, got suspended because he thought it would be fun to punch helmets. So it was just, and it started with the Fournette suspension. It continued with the Thursday night game, and then Kareem Hunt, and it never, I hope tonight Zach Ertz doesn't die or something because this is where we're at. This was the most insane week 13 I've ever seen, and, of course, it is week 13, which means a lot of people's playoff hopes we're riding on what happened this week, and it was a bad deal for a lot of people. Yeah, we'll try to make people feel good about some things here. Positive spin on some of these later games. And uh, there were some good things if you owned Russell Wilson, however. And you look at the Seahawks 49ers game, if you stretched to David Moore, you were definitely disappointed because you got a big fat zero because Jerron Brown played the role of uh, David Moore this week. But looking at this offense, I think the one thing is that Russell Wilson, you look at his past several weeks, he's just been fantastic. And I think he's a guy, even with his Vikings matchup coming up this week, that uh, he's just locked in and he might win a lot of championships this year. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. We know from Russell Wilson's history that he is a much better player in the second half of the season than in the first. And that's certainly holding true right now. He is on a roll. And I agree with you right now. He is matchup proof. You lock him into your lineup if you have him. And the way he's playing, he absolutely could be a huge difference maker when the playoffs begin uh, starting next week. Yeah, on paper, I mean, the Vikings, you can throw on them. Where you typically struggle against the Vikings is on the ground. But you can throw on them. Brady had one of his best passing days of the season, certainly in recent weeks, yesterday against them. So I'm feeling pretty pretty good about Russell Wilson. 
you know, and right now it's, it's him and Tyler Lockett. Those are the two guys you can start every week. Everybody else is kind of more of, I hope they'll do well, or maybe I think they'll do well. Now, looking at Chris Carson, he had the dislocated finger. He says he's going to be fine, but they made it a point where they said they were going to get Rashad Penny more involved. They didn't lie about that. They got him more involved, uh, partly because of this injury, but he looked good uh, bursting into the end zone. He's actually looked pretty good of late. Now, is he a guy that you're interested in, again, because of the volume of this rushing attack and they're trusting him more behind Carson if you need him? Yeah, he's certainly a viable guy to have on your bench. I don't think you want to be putting him into the lineup unless Carson is out. And, of course, they play on Monday night. Uh, Pete Carroll has notoriously been, let's say, disingenuous with injury information, It certainly as it applies to Chris Carson in particular this season. So it's kind of tough to be sitting there and go, I really want to start Rashad Penny this week. I don't know if you can unless you hear definitively that he's not that Carson's not going to play. But I definitely think Penny, if you still have waivers, Penny is a good guy to pick up for depth because, you know, he did provide a little bit of a spark. We know Chris Carson struggles to stay healthy. And they did draft this guy in the first round, right? So at some point you would think he's going to get an opportunity, and maybe it will happen before the end of this season. Now looking at the 49ers, just think about where we started the season. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarek McKinnon, Pierre Garçon, and Marquise Goodwin. Where we are now is Nick Mullins, Jeff Wilson Jr., Dante Pettis, and Kendrick Bourne. I mean, I've never seen a team so dwindled down, but uh, are you just going to say if Jeff Wilson Jr. is a starter that they're going with and Matt Breida is not, that you're just going to plug him in and hope for the best here? It looks like uh, the one thing you have to like about the 49ers, they keep plugging in and uh, just go confident with those roles with uh, Wilson and Pettis and don't look back. Well, remember the last time that we all kind of thought Matt Breida was dead and everybody rushed to get Alfred Morris into their lineups, and we and that was a Monday night game, and Alfred Morris proceeded to get one touch in the entire game for no yards. Uh, I, I lo- Jeff Wilson certainly looked very, very good. Um, so if Rita is out, yes. But Matt Rita, for some reason, the 49ers just don't want to rest him when they clearly should. He's He hasn't been healthy in probably over two months. I mean, he just gets hurt all the time you would think especially a team that's going nowhere right now just sit him down for a week or two and see if he can get healthy then bring him back but they've stubbornly refused to do that so as much as I want to say Jeff Wilson's looking pretty good I think he would be if Matt Breida's out Matt Breida just never seems to be out when the game begins yeah, uh, and how Dante Pettis, I have to say, I liked him when they drafted him. I think that was a steal. And in a way, you look way back in week one, he scored and had a nice game there playing. I think they've been overdue to get this guy involved in their offense. they got to throw the ball to somebody, right? I mean, they mentioned Pierre Garçon and, and his issues, and Marquise Goodwin hasn't, we don't, who knows what his stats could be going forward. He can't just throw everything to George Kittle as much as George Kittle owners would like that. Um They've got to throw – Mullins played well yesterday. I mean, he stunk the joint up badly against Tampa Bay last week, which was a much easier matchup. So, of course, he goes out and throws for over 400 yards against the Seahawks. I mean, again, week 13, nothing went according to plan, very little. Um, But I I think if Pettis is going to be out there and no good win, certainly as a wide receiver four, if you need him in a deeper league, maybe you can take a shot. I, I still, their offense is so combustible with Mullins or Beathard at quarterback that it's hard to really trust anybody. But 
if he, I mean, if there's no Garcon and there's no Goodwin, again, he's got to throw the ball to somebody, and it could be Dante Pettis. Now, a team that's extremely hard to trust, but maybe we can buy something into this with the Raiders. I think this is the game plan that we're looking for from the Raiders. A little bit of Doug Martin, the change of pace from Jalen Richard, like Jordy Nelson being involved, Jared Cook. This seems like the most logical thing for the Raiders to do. Are you trusting it? I mean, they did go after all the weaknesses of the Chiefs defense. Uh, They actually did something we expected that they should have done this week, but are you trusting any of this Raiders stuff going forward? Uh, No. Jared Cook probably a little bit, but even he's kind of disappointed at times. They did play well yesterday, absolutely. They hung in there with the Chiefs for most of the game. So for a team like that that's having the season they are, that's, that's, that's a good sign. Um, to me, it's really matchup-driven. And as far as Martin goes, it would be a matchup against a team where they're not going to be trailing most of the game. You would have thought yesterday they would have been down big at halftime and been throwing the whole time, but they weren't. So that kept Martin viable. Um, and Richard, again, that would be a game where that would be a game flow game too, where I thought they're going to have to throw it, and he comes more into play. So Jordy Nelson, no, not really. Uh, Andre Roberts, no, not really. Derek Carr, definitely not. So I'm not really. To answer the question, no. Other than Jared Cook, there's really nobody in that lineup, that, that team that I'd want in my lineup on a weekly basis. Now, on the other side, we'll we'll focus on Patrick Mahomes because he's Patrick Mahomes. And he's pretty he, yeah, he does what he does. But Spencer Ware in there, you talked about the Kareem Hunt situation. We're feeling good about him as a plug-and-play. Now, all of a sudden, they're looking at Charkandrick West. They did get Damian Williams involved. Where did score a touchdown to come through? But I didn't think he looked particularly good running the ball. And now they get the Ravens this week. So I'm not sure that I'm just going just plug-and-play with Spencer Ware with the situation in flux. Because we know Ware and West were in a straight-up timeshare here of late. Well, he's definitely not a plug-and-play guy. I think, you know, I, I was definitely in on him, too, aggressively. The matchup was great. I mean, it really was. And they did score a ton of points. And when they got in the red zone, there certainly were opportunities there. They just only, you know, gave them really one series there in the red zone to, to score. Everything else was Mahomes. So it, it could have been a better day. It wasn't great. But here's what I'll say about Spencer Ware. He got the majority of the touches. He got, I think it was 15 or 16 total touches. He had the one catch and all others rushing. If he gets 15 to 20 touches every week in this offense, he will be in the RB2 discussion. Now, obviously, it's a tougher matchup this week or next week against Baltimore, but it's also a tougher matchup for Baltimore, right? They're, this is, this is the, one of the top three offenses in the NFL, so they've got to come after him. So I, I think the matchup advantage could go to Kansas City's side just as easily as it could to Baltimore's. So where I would look at Spencer where he's not plug-and-play, he's not Kareem Hunt, he's not probably – you know, 60% of Kareem Hunt. He's probably maybe 40. So, but that could still be a good RB2 for you the rest of the way. So I'm not, I'm concerned about the matchup this week against Baltimore, but again, it's a tough matchup for Baltimore. And maybe because it will be more difficult to run the ball, maybe they'll throw him the ball a little bit. And Spencer Ware can catch the ball. He is a good receiver out of the backfield. They have used him on third downs quite a bit this year when Hunt was there. So, Maybe this is a game coming up where he catches four or five balls and, and really helps you that way. So I would look at him as an RB2 
Um, assuming nothing changes here and Tarkanic West doesn't come in and start getting a bunch of touches or anything, assuming based on what we saw yesterday, I kind of view him as an RB2 because the offense is so good and there should be touchdown opportunities nearly every week for this offense. Now, we, uh, we're looking at the Patriots-Vikings uh, game, Tom, and looking at this, uh, there were some disappointments. Uh, Julian Edelman, of course. Uh, Josh Gordon, it took him a long time to get involved, but once he did, he came through with a touchdown and 58 receiving yards. But I'm going to focus on this uh, backfield situation. You had Rex Burkhead come in. Sonny Michelle was kind of in a mix with all these guys. They worked in a little bit more quarter out Patterson. James White seemed to get a little work in. It seemed really hard again to trust this Patriots backfield all of a sudden. White did come through, but uh, part of a lot of that was that fluky play near the end of that half. Yeah, you know, but they did throw him the ball a lot, and that's what you want with James White, and that's really something that hadn't been happening in the last two games. I think he caught one ball in week 12, which was shocking. So he got back involved. So just when you're kind of feeling bummed about James White, he reemerged. And maybe you weren't starting him because he hadn't had a couple, he had two poor games in a row. And of course, then he goes off to like 15 or 16, whatever it was in PPR. He's still the guy to me that I would feel most comfortable starting. Sonny Michelle is very talented, but they clearly want to use everybody else there. And so Michelle kind of could be kind of morphing into that old LeGarrette Blunt role where every once in a while he looks really good, but you can't consistently start him. Burkhead, I would not want to be starting at all. He's not a bad depth guy in case one of those other two get hurt, but I, I wouldn't want to be starting him. To me, it's James White and it's Sonny Michelle if the matchup looks really good for, I would say, a touchdown, assuming they don't give all the touchdowns to Devlin going forward. Yeah, that's something we have to see. Uh, quick thing on the Vikings. The only thing on that side to me is, are you going to trust Kirk Cousins in the oh. fantasy football playoffs? Yeah, that was, he was not good. He was bad. And we've seen this from him before. He played. He's done this in Washington too. So this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody in Minnesota. Um, do I trust its matchups right now? It really is. There's there's maybe you know six seven quarterbacks that you say okay I'm going to start them every week. I mean Aaron Rodgers right now is a matchup guy. Fortunately he's got a really good one this coming week against Atlanta. But I I, I would say with Kirk Cousins it's matchup. If you're looking at a game where you think either the matchup's really, really good for him or he's going to have to throw it a lot, then I would take a shot at him. But even yesterday, which was a matchup, I thought they'd have to throw it a lot, and I thought he would do better. He really performed poorly. So to say, do I trust him? If the matchup's right, I feel more comfortable with him. Now, looking at the Chargers-Steelers game there, the capper on Sunday night, it was a wild game. It was really a tale of two games. I mean, Antonio Brown got his. Juju Smith-Schuster did not. James Conner did before he got hurt. On the other side of things, the Chargers uh, couldn't get anything going with Austin Eckler in the running game. Now, the question is, uh, you got two great matchups. We'll, we'll do a little toss-up here. You got Justin Jackson, after coming through it with a big second half, really woke up that running game gets the Bengals this week, and then Jalen Samuels might be needed. I know they say the Connor injury with the lower leg contusion is not big, but it could cause him to miss the Raiders game. Now, these are two guys that you almost have to immediately pick up and play, right, with those matchups? I, I think so. I mean, certainly we don't know what Melvin Gordon's situation is. I, there is rumors he could try to come back this week for uh, Week 14. It, it seems unlikely, but we got to keep an eye on that. Uh, starting there with that backfield, yes. I, I think we've seen with Austin Eckler now, two games without Melvin Gordon, he's not a starter. 
he's a change of pace spot back, and that's how they should be using him. I would think, based on what we saw in the second half last night, that assuming Gordon is out, Justin Jackson would be the lead running back, and then Eckler would come in and catch passes and do some change of pace stuff. That would seem to be the smart way for the Chargers to do this. Uh, we'll have to see if they do it. but So, yes, I would say pick up Justin Jackson and let's see how the week plays out. On the other side with Pittsburgh, yeah, I think you have to pick up Jalen Samuels and see how this goes out. Because, again, this is a game they should win, right? So if there's any concern with James Conner, then they're in a playoff hunt now without question. Baltimore's right on their tail. So, But this is a game they should be able to win. So if they look at it from that perspective and say, let's save him for a week and let's see if he can be healthy in week 15 – Maybe that's the way to go. But, yes, pick up both guys, Samuels and John, uh, Johnson, uh, and see how the week goes with Melvin Gordon and James Conner. Yeah, and uh, you can't ignore any running backs at this point in the season because they could be game changers for you literally in these uh, critical games. Uh, and If they've got a good matchup like those two guys, you definitely have to go after them even more aggressively. Now, Tom, I know uh, you got some things going on there at uh, the NFFC. Uh Tell uh, the listeners uh, how they can get in on the action of both now maybe playing basketball and uh, next year with the bigger event. Yeah, well, I mean, we do we do have something coming up I, I want to let people know about. And this week was a, could be a tough week for a lot of people if you missed out on the playoffs, but you still want to play some fantasy football. we got a way for you to do that. Our postseason contest is one of the best in the industry. It's the only multiplier contest in the industry. What that means, any player who's on your roster in week one, you get double the points in week two, triple the points in week three, and so on and so on until the Super Bowl. It's a great contest, our postseason contest. It's only $150 to enter, and just go to playnffc.com. And if your season ended this week, it doesn't have to be over for 2018. You can still win a lot of money in the NFFC playing in our postseason contest. All right, definitely check that out uh, for sure, uh, guys and gals. And uh Tom, thanks for your insight this week. Uh, good luck in your uh, waiver wire and uh, games this week, and uh, we'll catch up with you after uh, week 14. Thanks, Vinny. Have a great rest of your week. All right, thank you. So thanks so much to Tom for joining us there. And reminder that you can follow him on Twitter, Tom Kestnick. You can follow me at Vinny Iyer, uh, as well as Facebook and Vinny Iyer. And don't forget that the Locked On Network, uh, NFL, NBA, MLB, we're all over uh, – Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, social media. We're there, so follow us, check us out. You can expand your love of the Locked On Network family here. We've got all kinds of great shows, great interviews, uh, insight, uh, beat reports, uh, knowledge and analysis you're going to get nowhere else here in a convenient listening format. So check us out on social media there, wherever you can, and uh, we will uh, keep bringing you the best content out there in listening land get back here i will look at the rest of the games here from the week 13 sunday slate to break those down before monday night football so we have a few more games to get to here that we didn't talk about before or with tom in our final segment here you look at the texans and browns as we go to the sunday 1 p.m window throwback to that you've got uh baker mayfield threw for 397 yards but his worst game with three interceptions uh, he could have had a bigger game here but uh there were some uh, turnovers there that did not help antonio calway was going to go in for a couple long touchdowns one was uh negated by penalty one 
he dropped the ball, he would have gone into for a score. And if he gets that second touchdown, Baker does, he's going to have uh, 400 yards and two TDs to go with those three picks. So they really didn't uh, run the ball too well here, only nine times for 31 yards. They got behind big time against the Texans. Only a 16-point victory for the Texans, so a lot left on the table. But you can't really... Look at Baker Mayfield's game as being a disappointment. The picks were, but 397 yards of TD. He's got a much better pan- matchup against the Panthers next week at home as well. As a rookie quarterback, you want to be at home. His Texans defense was just all over him in this one. Still, Jarvis Landry, he got him off to a good game. Six for 103. Callaway, unfortunately, lost that fumble, but three for 84. Rashad Higgins was the guy who found the end zone later. Four catches for 62 yards and a TD. David Njoku totally disappeared here. It's set to Valve, cutting into his playing time. Nick Chubb, solid game when you think about the 12 touches, only 72 yards from scrimmage, but did get a touchdown to kind of salvage his day. All things are going to be better. This Carolina defense is reeling, and the Browns will be at home, and they play a lot better at home. And uh, I expect Mayfield to bounce back there with the lesser turnovers, but still a good production there overall. Now, on the other side of things, Deshaun Watson you pretty much had him uh, be a caretaker in this game. This is how they've kind of played it. They've been kind of the poor man's Seahawks in terms of running the ball, not having a lot of volume from Watson. Watson did have 30 yards rushing to go with the TD and 224 passing, but Lamar Miller, they're sticking with that in the running game. 19 for 103 for Miller to add 12 receiving yards. Alfred Blue added 54 on the ground as well. So they kind of grind out this game. DeAndre Hopkins had a decent game, but he wanted more. Seven catches on 12 targets for 91 yards. Pretty tough matchup here overall against the Browns' pass defense. So the Texans absolutely do the correct thing by going run heavy, taking a lot of field goals. Couldn't finish a lot of drives here. Kim A. Fairbairn was on fire here with uh, what he did there, knocking home uh, five field goals. So he was pretty much the star of the show, fantasy-wise, if you started him for Houston. Uh, Jordan Thomas, another good game, 3 for 32, caught all of his targets and a TD. Here, but he's sporadically used in that uh, passing game, so it's a really hard player to test. And now we go to the game. We talked about this in brief. Uh, the Cardinals beat the Packers 2017, the final game for Mike McCarthy as the Packers head coach here. And uh, yeah, he uses the 2 and 9 Cardinals at home when your playoff lives is on the line. That tends to happen. And uh, this was a frustrating game all around. Let's start with the Cardinals side of things. Christian Kirk, 3 for 54 on 8 targets. Could have had a bigger game. Unfortunately, he suffered a foot injury. He's out for the season here. Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a heavy target monster going forward. Three for 48 on six targets for him. We expect a little bit more from the receiving core. David Johnson did do some damage with his uh, 21 touches, 72 yards. Now, the day would have been nice if they got him involved a little bit more touch-wise, but seven for 66 for backup Chase Edmonds, and he gets the two red zone touchdowns. And uh, David Johnson, he made a few mistakes early in the game there with the Josh Rosen in there. Josh Rosen got sacked a couple times. Things got ugly. But David Johnson still needs to be out there. They can't doghouse David Johnson. We thought we were past this, but they worked in Edmonds in scoring position. He stole basically the two touchdowns. Johnson could have easily got there. So... Very frustrating for fantasy when you're basically counting on Johnson and Fitzgerald and not much else from the Cardinals. Now, on the Packers side of things, Aaron Jones did come through with a touchdown, but 15 touches for 50, 52. You expect a lot more against the awful Cardinals. 
defensive part of it is, and this is Mike McCartney undoing, Jamal Williams, they went back to him randomly for 11 touches for 27 yards. Yeah, I don't get it at all. It should have been all better than Jones. I don't think the Packers brass upstairs got it either, and that led to uh, McCarthy getting let go. He kind of regressed in this game. Devontae Adams is the stud that you can trust most on the Packers, even ahead of uh, Aaron Rodgers. Eight for 93 and a TD. He really is helping Aaron Rodgers big time. And Aaron Rodgers, another just one TD game with uh, 20 yards rushing and this 233 and a TD. So you expected a lot more again from this Packers offense, especially Jones and Rodgers. Adams, you'll take that every week. Eight for 93 and a TD. You can be greedy and look for the second TD, but Adams is just a baller. He's one of uh, fantasy's most reliable assets from week to week, and it's really nice if you have him in your lineup, especially in the fantasy playoffs. There's just no bad games from him in a time when a lot of players just consistently have bad games. Our next game, we don't have to talk about it long because there wasn't much scoring. The Jaguars beat the Colts 6 to nothing. Now, what the heck happened to the Colts? They've been a scoring machine. Andrew Luck, just three TDs were automatic. He has zero, obviously, in this one, 248 and an interception. Well, they pretty much uh, realized there wasn't much going on here. Once they stopped the run, it was all about Eric Ebron and T.Y. Hilton. Both those guys did come through here. Ebron, unfortunately, they decided to run him near the goal line and lost a fumble. But if he didn't have that, his day would have been fine as a receiver. He had 10 catches for 81 yards on 16 targets. If he had scored that rushing touchdown instead of being a fumble, this day would have been fantastic for Ebron. But instead, it turns out to be a modest tight end one day overall. And then you look at uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, two, really eight for 77 there on 13 targets. Uh, was solid again, but the Jaguars kind of knew the offense was running through these two guys and really focused on them, clamped down, played their best defensive performance of the year once they were able to eliminate the running game in Marlon Mack, which they were able to do. So I think the Colts will rebound here. The Texans are next week. The Texans are not a shutdown defense by any means, especially against the Colts. They have to rebound. It's a game the Colts absolutely must need to, to uh, win here to creep back in the AFC playoff picture. So they'll have to play much better on the Jaguars side of things, 6 nothing. So not much there except a couple of field goals by uh, Josh Lambeau. But TJ Yeldon, if you needed somebody, he was the guy to fill in there ahead of Carl Hyde. Carl Hyde did get the 13 carries and one reception, but that up to 37 yards while Yeldon turned his 15 touches into 65 yards. Not a big game, but in relation to the rest that happened, uh, LeGarrette Blunt, I'm sorry, Leonard Fournette is going to come back next week. Uh, similar names, similar running styles, but Leonard Fournette is the guy that plays for the Jaguars, and he'll be back there next week. It's a good spot against Tennessee. He's given up a lot of big runs of late, give power runs uh, there. And, uh, so it opens the door definitely and we'll talk a little bit more about how their uh, defense is going when we get to that game. Our next game in the 1 o'clock window is the uh, Buccaneers and Panthers, 24-17. to Another upset here. The Bucks win. James Winston, solid, 249-2. and Also had 48 rushing yards to lead the team. Peyton Barber, even in a tough matchup, he didn't run very well. 16 carries for 45 yards. He... Uh, did get in the end zone, so another solid RB2 day for Barber. Winston, a solid QB1 day. And with uh, Deshaun Jackson down, clearly the attention went to Mike Evans. So then Chris Godwin, 5 for 101 on 
six targets and a TD. Adam Humphreys, seven for 61 and a TD on nine targets. So Godwin and Humphreys connecting well there. Cameron Brait, you wanted a little bit more. Had a couple chances of touchdown, but only three for 36 in this game. So pretty much just a two-man receiving offense and a little bit of a barber in rushing attack for the Bucks. Godwin and Humphreys, I think they're locked in here. Without Jackson, and he could be shut down here. This team not really going anywhere. Godwin and Humphreys, they throw enough, this team, the high volume. But Godwin, Godwin Humphreys, Evans, and Brait all should be starting in uh, some formats somewhere just by the involvement. And they're playing New Orleans next week, so they're going to figure to throw a ton. They did produce highly in week one. That was with what we saw early with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think you... Uh, We'll see more of that with Winston, especially at home there in week 14. Now, on the other side, Cam Newton looked ugly with the four interceptions, but he did have 300 yards and two TDs and 33 rushing yards. So they made up for it, but he left a lot on the table. You expect a lot more against his Bucks team. Curtis Samuel was the leading receiver, 6 for 80 and 11 targets. Christian McCaffrey was just awesome again. 10 carries only, but 106 yards and 9 catches for 55 another score. So not as monstrous as the Seattle game, but still... A pretty darn big game when you turn in uh, 161 yards, only 19 touches, and you find the end zone. You'll take that any game. And uh, disappointing for DJ Moore. He only had uh, six touches for 65. Thought he could do a lot more in this game. But Samuel, it's kind of locked in where Devin Funches is pretty much just a red zone guy. One catch for 10 yards and a TD here for Funches. Greg Olson went down. So I think you'll see a lot more of offense that's going to be Samuel, McCaffrey, and Moore going forward for this Panthers team. And uh, Cam Newton had a bad game, but still, again, produced in fantasy, and that's all we're looking for. And I think in Cleveland, it could be trickier than you think next week. Cleveland's pass defense is pretty good. We saw that it was a modest game by Watson, but you still have got to play Cam in that game. Our next game that we look at here is the uh, Rams and Lions, and uh, staying in this 1 o'clock window. Still have a couple more in this window, then a couple more in the later things that we'll talk about but we look at the Rams and Lions the Rams it was a Todd Gurley get well game he was a little banged up they didn't put him on the injury report he did have that ankle issue but he finally got the rest of that bye week to rest that ankle and boy did they just trust him here 26 touches 165 yards two scores this is the old school pre-bye Todd Gurley game that we were looking for for a while we're just in time here for the critical week, uh, getting into the fantasy playoffs and then down the stretch after that weird game against the Chiefs. You look at this uh, spot here that uh, Todd Gurley was back to normal. That's going to hurt Jared Goff's volume in a particular game when it's too easy like this against the Lions. Uh, next week it's also hard because they're playing the Bears. 207, a TD, an interception for Goff. That touchdown went to Robert Woods. Had a decent game with uh, five catches, 67, and a TD on nine targets. Inefficient game. But did have two carries for 11 yards here as well. So overall, looking at uh, this offense, uh, Rand Cooks, four for 62. When they can run this easily with Gurley, it's going to cap a lot of the upside. So you don't want these too easy of a games. The Bears, a bit of a grind. I, you're still going to, that seems like a spot for Gurley and avoid maybe forcing in a lot of these receivers in that matchup. So uh, that's what you have to look at week to week. Now we look at the Detroit Lions side of things, and uh, it was no... Again, carry on Johnson again, and it was really messy otherwise. I mean, Taylor Decker had the TD, the offensive tackle. Levine Toilolo was the leading receiver, four for 90. It was just a mess. Kenny Galladay expected a lot more, but only three catches for 50 yards on eight targets. So 
It's pretty much a dink and dunk, run heavy offense with a whole bunch of random dudes producing. So really tough to trust anything on the line. It's two forty-five, one and one, four sacks for Stafford. Uh, so I uh, just, it's just really hard. Theoretic in a PPR, he's been okay because he had eleven touches here for a fifty-eight. Legarrette Blunt, if he does get in the end zone, he's kind of useless. Sixteen for sixty-one. So Lions uh, fade, fade, fade. If you got better things, hopefully Karen Johnson can come back. With a decent uh, schedule here coming up, uh, the Cardinals are on the schedule. So maybe some things there. But if not, uh, Blunt and uh, Riddick could have some use for you next week. And you don't want to just be sunk by this particular box score. Our final 1 o'clock game that we'll talk about. And then we have one more of the late games. 26-16, the Ravens uh, beat the Falcons here. So 26 and 16, you look at uh, 126. And uh, there for 125, Passing yards only for Lamar Jackson. He did have 75 and a touchdown there to come through. So overall, it was not a bad uh, spot overall for Jackson. Just not a great, great fantasy day when you only have TD. Again, that's the danger. If he's not throwing for TDs, it's really hard there for uh, Lamar Jackson to really give you the fantasy game you want, especially when the bye weeks are over. There's so many quarterbacks putting up points. There are definitely 12 to 16 guys that you can trust over Lamar Jackson at this point in the season. This is a reminder. They are playing the Chiefs next week. We'll have to see if uh, Joe Flacco can come back. And Jackson could be room for rumble and a lot of garbage passing in that game. But Jackson's not a guy I'm definitely gravitating to. Now, Gus Edwards looked pretty good again as the lead early down back. 21 carries, 82 yards, so not bad. You wish they'd given a little bit of work. I think the twist here was that Kenneth Dixon came in as the new number three with Alex Collins on IR with that foot injury. He had nine touches for 43 yards, so that cut in a little bit. Of course, Jackson's always going to cut into Edwards, but he also helps Edwards as a runner here. What we saw was Ty Montgomery get a little bit more work as the receiver, so Basically, this can be a lot of Mark Andrews, the tight end, a lot of time Montgomery, some safe throws to Michael Crabtree. But forget John Brown. He's not even on the box score. Willie Sneed, forget about him. This is a run-heavy team. We'll have to see if a Flacco comes in there and we can raise some uh, profile. But you're not going to start those uh, Ravens receivers against the Chiefs, even that good matchup next week, because uh, you can't trust the quarterback. If Flacco's in there, it's just really hard because the Chiefs uh, secondary is also pretty good, especially in home there. So I think I trust more of the backfield here. Edwards, he's going to be involved. Another 21 carries in this one. I'm not worried too much about the game flow of tilting to maybe Montgomery against the uh, Chiefs next week. I think Godward, Edwards is still going to try to touch the ball to uh, slow things down. And uh, that's how I have to kind of look at it. Ravens are kind of week to week until we know who the quarterback is going to be. But, uh, I think they could use more of a passing quarterback in the Kansas City game. Now, looking at the Falcons side of things, 131 yards only. That's a really bad game for Matt Ryan. And a TD at home usually comes through. He did help Austin Hooper come through. We liked him in this game. 5 for 44, caught all of his targets. He's just the new Jack Doyle is Austin Hooper. Very reliable, comes through. We're going to be consistently involved in the offense. Two catches for 18 yards only for Julio Jones. It was a disaster for... Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu. You expect a lot more. Tevin Coleman was pretty much erased here. Six carries for eight yards, one catch for three yards. So Falcons get Green Bay next week. Green Bay, Falcons, two teams uh, expected to be a lot better this season. Uh, Now middling here out of the playoff race. Could be a wacky shootout as uh, both uh, teams 
We'll have the Packers play for Joe Philbin, trying to be inspired there with the interim coach. You'll have the Falcons try to make sure that Dan Quinn is not going anywhere, play well at home next week. So I expect a lot more points for the Falcons next week as well as the Packers as they play each other. And we go to the last game that I'll talk about here. It's busy, busy when you have 16 games on the schedule. We talk about 15 here on uh, Roundup Monday. It's a 26-22. The Titans rally to win. They look dead in this game. Mariota, Marcus Mariota threw a pick six early, but he rebounded with another solid fantasy day. When you look at 282 yards, two TDs, at 43 yards on the ground. So back-to-back really good days for Mariota. It doesn't look always good on paper. It starts ugly, but he revved up. His completion percentage was... Not the usual one, but in a way that was good because he took the shots and maximized. And he had some long balls in this one against the Jets. So that's something we're going to watch for Josh Allen, the running and the long balls as they play the Jets next week. The Bills do. There, you look at uh, Derrick Henry. Unfortunately, Deion Lewis, we're expecting more and more, but they seem to just interchange these backs. It's very frustrating. They don't mind putting Derrick Henry in receiving situations either. And he's definitely getting all the touchdowns at this point. So Lewis, we thought, was well ahead there in that middle part of the season with the London game and all that. But then Derrick Henry's kind of uh, been the pivot guy because he has that scoring potential, and Lewis is not catching enough passes. So very frustrating situation this backfield. Right now you're starting Henry for that touchdown upside. Uh, it's not going to be as easy next week against the Jaguars for either of these backs. I would not go there. But Corey Davis, what a stud this guy is. One carry for 12 yards as well as three for 42 in the game-winning touchdown. Now, if you're going anywhere else, the problem with Jonu Smith, he had two for 29. We didn't like him in this game going forward. Well, his tight end mojo got stolen by Anthony Ferkser, three for 42 and a TD. So spreading around too much. So really, right now, I'm liking Davis as that must-start from this offense. Mariota, if you're a deeper league streamer, you can avoid Lewis and Henry. And Jordan Smith, you just can't force him in the lineup at this point. Once the bye weeks are over and you have all 16 games, you can find better at tight end. Now, finally, we'll finish talking about the Jets. Who doesn't want to finish every roundup Monday talking about the Jets and their offense? 22 points here. Again, seven came on a pick six. He had uh, 128 yards passing only from Josh McCown. We thought Elijah McGuire and Trenton Cannon were going to kind of take over this uh, backfield, but that did not happen. It's Isaiah Correll still that they trust. It's funny, with Todd Bowles, they've kind of pivoted back to let's see the veterans play instead of let's let the young kids play. Why? Because Todd Bowles is desperate for a win, and that's why you're seeing that happen now in this particular stage. So they're going to trust guys like McCown and Crowell. Crowell with 98 yards rushing. Had a good burst there, 27 yards. And not a bad spot against Buffalo where the game flow won't get out of hand next week. So you're looking overall at this team, and uh, that's all it is right now. It's a running team. You can't see too much. Robbie Anderson got involved a little bit. But when you have a quarterback that's dropping back 30 and is only completing 17, it's all based on the run. So... I expect that to be the formula as they look at the Bills game as winnable next week, and uh, that's how you kind of break it down. It's Cruel or nothing on this team at this particular juncture. Even Chris Herndon, you can't really trust. We didn't really like him anyway because the Titans are pretty good against a tight end. Bills are not that much better of a matchup either. So avoiding that with the Jets and uh, pretty much Cruel. If you're deeper league, flex, RB2, you could do a lot worse at this point than Cruel, a guy getting a good 20 touches a game. 
So there you have it. There's your uh, Roundup Monday for week number 13 here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. A lot to talk about. Busy, busy, but we want to be comprehensive for you. It is a critical time here in the fantasy football season, playoffs, DFS, you name it. You need the information until the final gun goes there in week 16. We'll even have some actual reality playoff fantasy football talk for you as well. So looking forward to all that. Looking forward to getting involved in the playoffs and playing this week. i got teams all looking forward to championships. I hope you do too. Good luck in uh, your final game there if you need anything in the Eagles or Redskins game. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on Lockdown Fantasy Football for Weekly Waiver Wire.